happy to be sharing with you guys today. And I actually, I want to start off by asking a really tough question. Is God mean? It's a, it's a hard one, right? So maybe if you haven't asked that question, maybe you've asked a similar question of, does God sometimes seem mean to us? Or um, why is he acting in a way that I'm perceiving as mean? Um, so I've asked these questions a lot recently, and today I'm going to talk about my experience of addressing some of these questions, as well as what we can do if we are in a place where we are experiencing or perceiving God as being mean to us. So what I've found is that it's totally normal to experience periods of our life, hopefully not all the time, but definitely periods in our life where God seems mean, or if not mean, at least indifferent towards us. This can be really scary, confusing, or painful. How can we trust a God that seems uncaring? What I've found is that if I can find a way to relate to God as a parent who loves me completely and wants only the best for me, kind of like what Melissa just shared, it can help during the times of pain and hardship and confusion. In the same way that a child might experience their parent as being mean when they don't get what they want when they want it, we can experience God as either holding back good things from us or actively bringing bad things upon us when we don't get what we want. Our hope, however, is that God is able to see and plan for the bigger picture and is actually more interested in our whole selves than the circumstances around us. So if you've been around for the past few weeks, you know that we're in the middle of a series where we're talking about finding salvation in our life today. Not when we die, but finding new life and hope and healing in our lives right now. Our salvation is possible because God, as a kind and loving parent, genuinely offers good things for us. Even today, I'm personally hoping and sometimes actively working to believe that God is my good and loving parent. I've also found that experiencing God in this way gives me a peace to know that I am loved no matter how my life is going. By knowing deep down that God sees me and knows me and loves me as I am right here today, I can both tolerate greater disappointments and experience greater satisfaction in being myself a beloved child of his. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Um, we pray that you would minister to us, that you would use my story to speak through me um, to encourage all of us wherever we are this morning, um, that you would give us a glimpse of the way that you love us as our parent, and that that would bring us healing and hope this morning. Amen. So a little bit about me. I have been following Jesus my entire adult life, um, and I've definitely experienced some major hardships, tragedies, suffering, um, but I had really never doubted the existence or goodness of God, even in the midst of some bad things that had happened to me. That all changed after I had my daughter, Magnolia, and I found myself in a really dark place. I experienced what I now know as postpartum depression, um, but what was even more devastating for me was I experienced the very first time in my life a sustained period of doubting God, his feelings toward me, and my standing with him. 
It started when Magnolia was small. I would look at my daughter and think about how much I loved her and wanted only good things for her. And then my mind would immediately go to all the potential bad things in the world that could happen to her. I would ask how God could possibly say that he loved her while also knowing that there was no guarantee she would live a long, healthy, or fulfilling life. Of course, you know, being a Christian, I had thought before about the question of, well, why does God allow suffering in the world? But when I had my own child, that question took on a whole new level of urgency and significance to me. I did not understand how God could call himself a loving father when he did not seem to take care of his children over and over again. When I looked at Magnolia, I doubted not only his love for her, but then also his love for me too. I felt totally lost. Not only was I doubting God's role in my life, I was also seriously doubting my role in God's plan, something in which I had been completely secure. You see, I loved working. I felt like my career as a social worker highlighted all of my favorite parts of my personality. When I was working, I felt empowered and powerful, confident and competent, fearless and independent, and if I'm being honest, probably a little bit superior. Most of all, I truly felt seen and known and loved by God every day. I believed every day God was proud of me and the work I was doing. I was following his call, caring for the poorest of the poor, the sickest of the sick, and that clearly meant that God thought I was awesome, right? Other people reinforced this idea regularly. When someone would ask, oh, hey, what do you do? And I would tell them, they would usually answer in one of two ways. One was, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And I would think, yeah, you're right, you probably couldn't. Um, or if it was in a more religious context, they would say, wow, you're really doing God's work. And I would think, yeah, I am. <laughs> And so, you know, that worked for me for a really long time, and it worked for my understanding of God and the way that God saw me. But in hindsight, I can see that even at the time, it wasn't completely working for me. Already before Magnolia was born, I experienced frequent work-related trauma and stress. I put myself in some really bad and abusive work situations because I genuinely thought that's what God wanted me to do. I let the trauma and stress from my work negatively impact my relationships and especially my marriage. The harder it got, the more I dug in, and I felt that God was impressed by my toughness and perseverance and dedication. When I was suddenly and inexplicably fired from my dream job before Magnolia was born, I felt like, well, that's okay. Now God is obviously calling me to stay at home and care for my kid instead of go back to work. A problem was I tried to apply this method of pleasing God onto my work as a parent. If you've ever cared for a screaming, pooping, crying, barfing newborn, you can probably guess how that turned out. Without the confidence that I was making a difference doing God's work and work that was actually important to the world every day, I quickly began to feel completely worthless. I felt invisible and unimportant to God. I really needed proof that God saw me and cared about what happened to me. In the midst of all of this, while attending a Bible study one day, I was presented with a passage from the Bible where Jesus talks about God relating to us as a loving parent. We're going to take a look at this passage together. It's from Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, where he's actually teaching his followers how to pray. I'm going to read it, and you also have it in front of you. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. 
Which one of you, if your child asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if she asks for a fish, will give her a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So just a little disclaimer, um, and it's actually kind of really in line with what Melissa had shared. You know, this passage, I think, can speak to us no matter what our experience of being a parent or having a parent has been. I think if you've had um, a really beautiful and healthy relationship with your parents, to think like that God is so much better than even the great example you've been offered is super encouraging. And if you've had not a great experience with a parent, then I think maybe you know better than anyone what a good parent should look like because you've seen what a um, not quite so loving parent looks like. So hopefully wherever you are today, I hope that this verse can be an encouragement to you. So for me, this passage lined up a lot with the questions I had been having after my kid was born. Being a new mom, I found this verse encouraging, but I really wasn't sure that I could totally believe it. Did God really love me more than I loved Magnolia? Did God really love Magnolia more than I did? And if God was no longer proud of the work that I was doing, could I really count on him to reward me with good things? Well, after living in this place for over a year, I was completely depressed. I felt like I could not be at home with my kid for one more minute. I did not know what else to do except to try to return to the way things were before when I was working and I felt like God saw me and was proud of me. So I decided to pray for a job. I actually went back, shout out to the prayer team, to the prayer alcove um, one Sunday um, to ask God for a job and I prayed with some of our great prayer team members um, that God would see my struggle and hear me and give me a job. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I actually had in mind a job that I had applied for a few years prior, and the funding had fallen through, so actually no one got the job, um, but it had just seemed like so perfect to me. So I didn't say that out loud, but in my heart I was thinking like, that's probably kind of what I want. Um, so I prayed, and I prayed that God would give me a job. And the very next day, while running an errand in Center City, I literally ran into my old supervisor on the sidewalk, who I had not seen or talked to in years. She came up to me and said, oh, hey, Lisa, this is crazy. I was just thinking about you the other day because remember that job you applied for three years ago that the funding came th fell through? Well, we actually just got the funding last week. We're opening up the application, and I think you should apply. <laughs> Amazing, right? I was blown away. Even more than getting the job that I wanted, I was so excited to know that God actually saw me and actually cared about what happened to me. Here was proof. God does give good gifts to his children when they ask, and even more proof that I am his daughter and he loves me. So long story short, there was a huge delay in the application and interview process for this job. Um, the hiring period took about six months. But through this whole time, I never wavered in my certainty that I would get this job. When I would talk about it with people, I would say, oh no, I'm, I, I apply for this job, I'm getting it because God is not mean. I'm, I know that I'm getting this job because God is not mean, which is probably my cynical way of quoting our passage that we looked at today. Um, because otherwise God would just be teasing me by putting the thing that I want right in front of me, right? And then just like snatching it away. And that's basically exactly what Jesus addresses in this teaching. 
I'm actually going to read a slightly different translation of our verse because I think that it really gets at the idea that God is not out to get us. So this is Matthew 7, 9, 11 again from the message. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think that the God that conceived you in love will be even better? So of course God was answering my prayer and giving me the perfect job, right? Well, guess where the story's going? No, he didn't. I didn't get the job. So what now? Well, here's where I think the salvation comes in. Of course, I felt super sad and confused. But rather than lead me back to a place of depression, my sadness and confusion turned into peace and healing. How? Well, all along, I really just needed to know that God saw me and cared about me, no matter what I was doing or how I was feeling in my life. I had worked so hard to get his attention based on quote-unquote good works, and now it seemed like he was saying, I see you, Lisa. You are my daughter. Based on my experience, it was clear that God saw me. Even before I knew how it would all turn out down the road, this truth really helped me to feel free. I also realize now that God was freeing me from a lot of lies that I had made up about how to earn his favor. By not getting this job, God freed me from having to do and allowed me to just be. I didn't have to do something super impressive to get his attention. If anything, I could do less and experience more of God. In sharing this story with a friend recently, she helped me see another layer that I think directly relates to Jesus' teaching. She said that she felt like in this process, God was saying to me, he said, do you see how easy it would be for me to give you this job? It would be so easy. It would be nothing for me to give you this exact job that you asked for the exact day that you asked for it. But that's not what you truly need. That's not the way to salvation for you. And I think he was right. As soon as I came to terms with not getting the job, I felt a freedom I had never felt before. Freedom from a lifetime of having to prove myself to him and to others. A lot of these burdens, I didn't even know how I had been carrying. But growing up in an extremely affluent, culturally Christian environment, I had received a lot of messages about, you better not waste your calling in life, and God needs you to go in the world and do big things, making sure that the way you live your life shows that Jesus didn't die in vain when he died for your sins, and working so hard that hard for God so that when you die, he will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. With the expectation that the reverse could also be true. If you don't fulfill your calling, God may never be proud of you. He may not ever call you his good and faithful servant. Talk about pressure. These oppressive and destructive lives were ultimately what have been making me feel depressed. Not caring for my kid, not not working, but believing that God would look at me and tell me that he was not proud of me and didn't care about me. And that's where relating to God as a good parent who gives good gifts to their children is super helpful. It was fine and good for me to ask for that job, but I thought my problem was not having a job. God, on the other hand, as a loving father who could see the real root of the problem, gave a much better gift, the gift of the knowledge that I am loved by him for who I am and not what I do. 
So don't misunderstand that I'm saying you have to be happy when you don't get something that you want, a good thing that you pray and ask God for. Still to this day, I'm sad I didn't get that job. I think that I would have loved doing that job. I would have loved getting to have that kind of impact on our city, use my education and experience and passions on a daily basis. To be honest, I would love to get dressed every day in cool clothes and go to Center City and look cool and not be wearing mom clothes every day. So where I may not be completely happy with God's answer to my prayer, I am grateful. I am free and healthy. Is this the Morgan now? Okay, sorry. Um, free and healthy and whole. There's no pressure that God will be disappointed in me if I don't do enough or work hard enough or have a big enough impact for him. For maybe the first time I'm experiencing what happens when I stop trying to impress God and just let him love me as his daughter how I love Magnolia, and more. It also means that when I'm operating out of this place, I'm doing things out of love and not out of fear. What a more enjoyable way to live. So I've had to hold tightly onto this story and and this passage in Matthew lately because I'm actually in a place right now of really needing to believe that God is not mean. We've had a really challenging few months in our family where twice it looked like we asked God for a fish, and instead he tricked us with a snake. My husband, Jason, was presented with what seemed like an incredible job opportunity. This job would have brought about some really important and exciting changes for our family. Then at the last minute, they gave the job to someone else who seemed way less qualified, by the way. And in the midst of all this, I found out that I was pregnant and then later had a miscarriage. So you can see how it feels, like we asked God for some fish, and he tricked us with some snakes. When Jason at first didn't get the job, we thought, well, that's okay, because he's giving us a baby. Maybe he didn't want us to do this job because he wants us to have this other great thing. And then we didn't get either. So in addition to being pretty devastated, I'm also really confused, because I know that God is not mean. So what do we do when we find ourselves in this place? of feeling tricked or disappointed or forgotten by God. I'm going to share a few things that I'm trying in the hope that maybe if you guys are in this place now or have been in this place or find yourself in this place in the future, maybe it could be helpful to you too. So what do we do? First, feel your feelings. Whatever you are feeling, it is okay. You can be mad at God. You cannot want to talk to God. You can feel forgotten invisible, confused, and there's no pressure or shame in that. I hope that you've found this church to be a place where there's no pressure or shame to feel a certain way, to be a happy Christian all the time. Um, If you look in the Bible, it's full of people lamenting and grieving, and God honors that. Just a quick example from my own life that it's been, like, really helpful is um, I have really struggled with anxiety at times in my life. And for the longest time, I felt like God was really mad at me about that. Um, Because you look at the Bible and it says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And so then I would feel fear about being fearful because I would think, well, God doesn't want me to fear and now I'm fearing, so now God's mad at me for fearing, right? Um, Then I had a kid who's like pretty fearful and afraid of being alone, afraid of going upstairs by herself, afraid of going downstairs by herself, afraid of, I mean, she's afraid of everything. And I look at her and I say, honey, you don't have to be afraid. Mama's here. 
I'm not gonna leave you. I know, I, I know that you think that that thing is scary. I'm telling you that I, I can see what it is and I got it under control. And, and if I can think about that with my kid, like what if that's how God thinks about me when I'm afraid? Like, honey, I got this, you're fine. You don't have to be afraid. Like that's freeing. So when I feel afraid, I feel afraid. And I don't feel like God is mad at me for feeling afraid. So feel your feelings, it's really important. Um, the second thing is ask for your daily bread. Um, it's kind of a simple idea. We see in the Bible, but I think, especially if you're in a place of grieving or suffering, um, you just got to get through the day. Um, so wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, think, ask yourself, how has God provided for me today? And maybe it's just, I woke up in the morning, I had enough food for breakfast, I, the bus came on time. You know, it may not be a huge deal, um, but, but we see God in his provision for us every day. And I think that's kind of like what faith is, right? Faith is not knowing how it's all going to turn out, not knowing that we're going to have all of our needs met, everything prepared and planned out, but just trusting that God will give me what I need today. So if you can ask for your daily bread, I, I'm hopeful that it would give you maybe even a, a different way of engaging with God and growing your faith. This is also something that we see from the recovery community. So our friends in NA and AA, I think they like really have this um, knowledge of walking with God in a way that I don't yet. So um, some of that material has been super helpful for me, just thinking about one day at a time and walking with God one day at a time. Um, the final thing that I would recommend to try and find ways to taste and see that God is good. That's a reference to a psalm, um, chapter 34, verse 8. Um, and I think when the evidence is showing us that God is not good, that's when we kind of have to, like, refuse to be swayed by that evidence and find counter-contradictory evidence that, no, God is good. So a little trick that I learned from couples therapy um, you can go as small or as far back as you need to go. Like, okay, maybe you're not really into your partner today. Think about a time that they were wonderful. Think about a time that they were really, really good to you. And it can be a small thing. It can be a few years ago. Whatever you need to get that image of God back in your mind. Um, just taste and see that he is good. Ask friends for help ask a friend, when did you see God working in my life? That can be so helpful. I've had friends say to me, oh my gosh, Lisa, like six months ago, you were in this place, and now you're totally in this place. And I would think, oh my gosh, you're totally right. I never even thought about it that way. So ask friends about your life. Ask friends about their life. How have you seen God work in your life? And if you don't have those type of friendships where those type of conversations are happening, I'd encourage you to check out a small group. Come back to the prayer alcove. Tell someone on the prayer team, this really awesome thing happened. I want to pray about it. I want to celebrate it. And just also as sort of a personal note, this sermon has been super therapeutic for me. So thank you guys for listening. Um, thanks, Brad, for asking me. Because I kind of knew what I wanted to talk about when he approached me, but I hadn't really processed. And I'm ready to be honest, I still really haven't. You know, everything that's happened. But it allows me to to think about my story in a way that, that holds on to the central idea that God is good and that God loves me as a good parent. So maybe you can't, you won't have an opportunity to give a sermon, but maybe it would be helpful if you write out your story.
or journal or do something where you can actually make it into a story, if that might be helpful to you. Those are um, the things that I'm doing right now. I would encourage you guys to do one or any of them if you're in a place like I'm in. Um, and I hope that you can also experience, not only today, but every day, that God is a parent who sees you and knows you and loves you um, and all of you and the true and whole and beautiful version of you. So to close today, I'm actually going to read um, some lyrics from a song that I came across just a few weeks ago when I was really struggling um, that I found really encouraging. And I'm going to read them actually like as a prayer um, to close our time together. So this song is called I Breathe You In, God. The lyrics are in your bulletin. Um, and this is my prayer this morning for, for myself and for, for all of us. The presence of the living God satisfies the depths of my heart. And all of me, I change when you came. And I'm led free by your glory and grace. And I breathe you in, God, because you are there all around me. And you are good, God, for you are good to me. And when I don't understand, I will choose you. And when I don't understand, I will choose you. And when I don't understand, I will choose to love you, God. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Give a round of applause for Lisa.